You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Jarek of Jarek, the founder and CPO at ContractBook. The challenge since the very early days for us was choosing the right balance for each of the area to deliver value to, to the users and balance that growth with both the users pulling for what they want, but also having the vision in mind. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS Nordic Podcast. And here we go again, Daniel. Here we go again, and I feel like I'm full of energy, like one, because of this exciting episode ahead of us, but also we're just coming out of kickstarting our executive network groups. Like, you know, I feel so energized by all these members of those groups having all these great companies that they're running and pushing forward with like full of energy can you feel it can, like does it come through the screen absolutely so we just had the sales groups and you know this afternoon we have operations we have partner we have people so i mean a lot of amazing people that are um, that are involved and um, contributing to um, to the community here and um, also what's coming up that is really exciting is the sassiest event in april and uh, well, where are we with that, Daniel? Yeah, it's uh, it's progressing well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, it's progressing well. Uh, what you will see here in the coming weeks is more details on the program. Uh, we're in a good position when it comes to everybody that wants to help. You know, there's multiple ways that you can help. You can contribute as a speaker. You can contribute on the show floor, and we be one of the event partners with us, and so on. All of those pieces are coming together. If, if you feel like you've missed your chance, there's still some time to just you know pick up the phone or email us. And if you want to contribute in any way, you may. Uh, we see ticket sales is, is ticking really well. And we know that last year, uh, three weeks, almost three weeks before, we were completely sold out. And th- this year we have room for 1,200 people. Yeah. Let's see when we're going to hit that capacity. But there's still tickets to be sold. Absolutely. And this is an all-inclusive event. So it's not just, you know, that you get through the door and, and you get to go on the different uh, sessions and so on. We will feed you. You will get drinks. We will have a great time together. There will be side events, um, um, different activities from, from paddle to poker to other things as well. And uh, hope to you to join us and that you will have a great experience in April. Where do they find more info on this? You go to sassiest 2023 Com. So that's where you can find all the information. Uh, today we're going to have a product focus. So we are joined by Garek at ContractBook that also was a part of our SASIS digital uh, event this fall. So um, yeah, let's go and talk to him. Let's do it. Today we are very happy to have Jarek Ovcharek, the founder and CPO at ContractBook here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. Welcome Jarek, nice to have you here. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And that rhymed, right? Yeah, it does. Yes, it did. <laughs> Jarek Ovcharek, yes. Yeah, I like it. I have some school stories uh, where one of, uh, one of, I switched schools and, and I went to a new class and there was a girl that whenever there was a role checking, uh, checking the presence. Uh, my name came up and the, and the teacher went Yarek of Charek and the girl always laughed and I was like, 
Okay, it's third month already. You can stop laughing. <laughs> okay. And and this girl is now your wife or no, no, no. no. <laughs> it, it didn't evolve like that. I, I see. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's great to have you here, and I think you were calling from Portugal today, right? You're calling. From I am. Yeah. I am uh, right now in Lisbon. Yes. What brings you to Lisbon? Um, I'd say a bit of work-life balance, happiness, weather, food, amazing food in Portugal and Lisbon. Okay. Surfing. So, what, what, what would you recommend on the menu? Like, like what's, what's the Portuguese cuisine famous for? I've never been to Portugal myself. Bacalao, which is a cod uh, fish. Okay. Okay. Um, made in a very particular way because what they do is actually they don't have that much cod around Portugal. And uh, the history is that they brought cod from the Nordic uh, regions from, from the North Sea. Okay. And uh, because it was on ships, they had to preserve it somehow. So they put a lot of salt. They flattened the fish and put a lot of salt. And that's how it, the, 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 the fish is stored. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, And it gets this funky smell and taste out of it. Because in, if, if you go to a supermarket, you actually, there's always a section with, with that caught fish and it's lying you know, on shelves without any refrigeration. Okay. So it has this old socks, I'd say, uh, you know, when, when not cooked, uh, smelled, but it tastes really good. That's, that's the most uh, popular uh, dish that they have here. Yeah. So the funky fish section then uh, at the supermarket, <laughs> yeah. that's where you should head. They do like their beef as well. Awesome. And they have, they have decent wines, I've heard. I've been told. Oh, very good. Yes. So, Beyond uh, liking Portugal, the nice weather, funky fish, what else can you tell us about yourself? Who is Jarek? I'm originally Polish, but I've spent 14 years of my life in Copenhagen. Um, I have a background in design and I've done a little bit of engineering. Uh, I've always done a lot of sports in my life, football, handball. Um, I've in my 20s got into boxing and uh, actually had three uh, amateur fights uh, organized in a, in a gala. Wow. How did they go? I fortunately won. Oh, wow. Wow. There, there is a story here that, uh, <laughs> that I think uh, I should say. Please. Um, well, the, the second fight um, I had was um, against a person that I didn't know. And after the fight, uh, I won and it was a technical knockout. And I went to the dressing room and, and I said, thank you for the fight. Thank you for showing up as well, for showing the spirit and the heart. It was uh, a great experience. And then we started talking. What do you do? Ah, I do this and that. I'm a CEO of this company called X. And, and I was like, oh, shit. What? So then I say, ah, I'm, I'm a founder of Contract Book. Oh yeah, we use you guys. Okay. <laughs> right. So you so you literally just beat up your customer. Yes, and you know you know what followed? They churned. No, no. I'm not kidding. <laughs> what a sore loser. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So e into all kinds of sports as well. So surfing or boxing, we, we like that. So we're gonna have a feisty episode ahead of us here. So um, tell us a little bit about Contract Book. What are you guys all about? Um, contract Book is a contract management uh, system platform that uh, allows you to create, negotiate, sign, uh, store, and manage all your contracts in one place. All your Compliance, sales, HR uh, contracts, um, and on top of that, uh, allows you also to automate uh, a lot of the parts or even the entire process. Think of smart contracts without blockchain underneath. Um, blockchain actually did us a bit of a favor 
because um, when smart contracts got introduced, they introduced this notion of something executing it, uh, executing on its own, uh, the rules and obligations. Right. And I think the technology is catching up for us to see uh, blockchain being used in more and more in in contract management, but still it's, it's a lot of a, an overhead. Uh, and also the, the gas prices uh, on Ethereum were pretty high and now we're seeing uh, also the drop in those uh, gas prices. But but generally speaking, the application of blockchain uh, is a bit of an overkill, but the notion of something executing on itself stayed and helped people understand that, wait a second, so you can have a contract that gets triggered whenever you move a deal in a CRM, the data gets pulled into the template created in contract book, automatically filled in depending on what kind of data comes in and the content gets adjusted, uh, automatically signed, automatically sent to the recipient. Whenever the recipient signs, um, the deal um, gets moved in the uh, in the CRM automatically. Um, an invoice can automatically be uh, created. Uh, a notification to Slack about, hey, we've closed the sale, the contract now is signed. Um, Possibilities are endless. Yeah, like I, I just realized one one thing when you're when you're talking about this, like what a great way to keep salespeople in check. Basically, like you're not gonna move stuff in the CRM unless it's real. Because if you move it, maybe suddenly there's a, a contract sent to a customer that is not ready to sign. So it, it's I like that. It's a way to not keep or it's a way to keep uh, false positives mm. away from from the pipeline. Very much. You don't you don't move you don't move it unless it's real. We do not have basically celebrations before a contract is really signed. It's good. It's good stuff. Right. So um, looking at your ICP here, what are the typical customers that you go after when it comes to size, verticals, and so on? We're going after um, small and medium-sized businesses from ideally from around ten to five hundred uh, employees. Um, in the Nordics, UK and US, and we're especially um, focusing on three personas, uh, sales, operations, and legal in these companies. And those, those companies also are characterized by um, kind of growth-seeking, um, often SaaS or uh, IT companies. All right. And... Uh just to give us some idea, what can you say about the size of your operation at Contract Book? Uh, where are you when, if we look at uh, ARR and growth, for instance, to start with? So we're looking at north of six million dollars uh, ARR. Uh, we grew uh, plus two x over the past uh, years. Um, we're closing in fastly on nine hundred customers. Um, yeah, we we are. I think around a little bit over 120 uh, people in the company. Okay. And how's this operation funded? Um, we have VC money from uh, Gradient Ventures. Uh, we've raised also with Bessemer uh, uh, Partners and uh, Tiger Global. Some real heavy hitters. It is. And, and I have another question for you then. And I correct me if I'm wrong here. But I think one of those that you mentioned there on... On the VC side or in the investor side, they've also invested in companies that are similar to you guys, maybe even competitors. Is that right? 
It is correct. Yeah. How does that work? It when we actually had one case where we figured out only afterwards, and then it seemed like the angles of funding were very different. Mm-hmm. So the the company um, have portrayed themselves as as a a, a different company than. If we compared the two, um, and yeah, the partners I think didn't um, didn't share the information that deeply. Uh, which in the end, now it doesn't matter. No, it it really doesn't. Right. Like there is the the information doesn't really flow. Like we 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 are not interested. I don't think they are interested. And, and actually, the space is big enough as well for for all of us to. Accept. If if anything, it just goes to show how much they believe in the space. Yeah, yeah, it does. And how much of the ownership lies with you and the founders or the contract books team? What does that look like? Mm, so I think if I remember correctly, I think we are around 65% is in VCs. Okay. And then we have some angels and uh, the founders and, and the rest uh, is in the team as well. Okay, I see. So we already touched upon it here that there are other players in this area or in neighboring areas and so on. So what we would like to talk about in this episode is how can you stand out from a product perspective in a crowded space. But maybe we should talk a little bit about crowded spaces in general. Uh, And um, what would you say in general about crowded spaces when it comes to SaaS solutions and software? I think we have some categories that are filled like CRM uh, immediately comes to mind yeah and yet you still have you know companies popping up and having a different angle and and fighting uh, for the market share which is very interesting right I think contract management um, four years ago was an up-and-coming up uh, market and now we see a lot of a lot more saturation um, I think it creates good competition I think it's uh, generally uh, shows the potential um, in early categories. I think it shows as well that uh, there is a bit of a race, and so you have to uh, focus on how you grow fast and how you gain market share and how you stand out as well uh, in the long run. I believe that uh, it proves really that what you're up to uh, is is uh, can be done in various ways and and really has a lot of potential. And what were your thoughts here when you started contract book, when you looked at the market and so on? Did you see that so that there there was a gap here or did you see that other companies had good traction and you wanted to get in that race or? We we started contract book because in the previous company that we had, which was digital product studio, we've experienced the problem ourselves. We've uh, basically had one of also our clients uh, come to us and ask us, hey, what are you using for contracts? I have this problem. There must be a better way to deal with it. I have salespeople sending contracts back and forth. I don't know what's in them. I don't know what's signed. Finding these contracts is a nightmare. Uh, I don't know when we are obligated to do what. It, it, there has to be a better way. Right. Uh, and, and I simply looked around and, and I thought to myself, we have the same problem. Um, and uh, after a quick research, I figured out that, okay, there's DocuSign, uh, there's digital signature, there's other digital signatures coming up. Um, and I thought to myself, but digital signature is just one piece of what we need. And back then I thought to myself, we need to build something 
that will put contracts in order and make us feel like we 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 have it under control like make give us this peace of mind that okay contracts are under control right just like when you when you think about invoicing systems invoicing systems are you know there's there's an invoice being sent but invoicing system now helps you with so many more things with taxes and whatnot like it it really is a lot more and 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 especially for a smaller and medium-sized businesses you you want to have a system that that gives you that peace of mind that that feels like okay we don't have to worry that much about that part of the business we can focus on on doing what we are actually very good at yeah i think it's 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 fascinating also a little bit what you said here in the beginning because if i understood you correct maybe when you guys started this it was a little bit of a land grab exercise mm-hmm. like everybody was growing really fast it was you know rather new uh, and now maybe it's, it's much more of a mature market and it's not so much of a land grab exercise as it was in the beginning. How does this affect the way you build your product when you know like now we have a golden opportunity to corner the market as much as we can, but maybe now that's different and you need to think about your product vision in a different way? Mm-hmm. I think the contract management space is not matured at all. I believe that our biggest competitor doesn't exist. That's that's basically uh, exactly what uh, also Nils says, my, my co-founder and CEO. I believe that there's so much to do still in the space and, and we have to disrupt ourselves basically um, to really own the category. Yeah. This is this is what we are going after. I think in the in the space where you have a lot of players competing for that market leader position, there is um, a lot of ca- characteristics I think that will lead uh, the way, and I think it's most of all the vision. Um, it's understanding how you're going to differentiate yourself this month, six months from now, one year from now, and and three years from now. Um, it is the execution. It is understanding as well the use cases that uh, that you solve and to which personas and to which markets you solve those problems the best. Um, and doubling down on, on those, uh, and really not focusing on what the competition does, but focusing on the user, uh, focusing on what are the opportunities inside organizations like that, that you can, uh, jump on and, and really deliver value because that's what it always about. And how much in in this situation? Because you said it, it's a not that mature market. How much is your own innovation and your vision about what this what this can be versus you know comply with your customers uh, sort of what they wish for? Uh, maybe you know better what they sh- should be wishing for. I don't know. Mm, that's a that's a very very good point. Contract management is such a broad place. Um, basically, every stage of the contract management process can be a company and used to be a company on its own. Mm. Just look at Signature, right? Uh, there, there are companies that are focusing only on creation or there are companies that are only focusing on storage and only post-Signature management. Um, the challenge since the very early days for us was choosing the right balance for 
every of the area, uh, each of the area, um, to deliver value to to the users and balance that growth with both the users pulling for what they want, but also having the vision in mind. And I think we we focus a lot on on um, vision, but there's a lot of bridge products or bridge features that needs to be built in order to meet the users where they are and show them how the future can look like. Okay. And historically, we've been focusing, I think, a tad more on vision and telling people here, this is how you deal with contracts. Yeah. But as we grow, we see that we need to give in on a little bit more on uh, on the users and their needs. Yeah. I think it was very interesting what you're saying, and I'm going to put you a little bit on the hot seat here, Yarek. Go ahead. Uh, so I went to G2 and uh, typed in contract management uh, platforms or solutions, and I think I got uh, a little bit over 200 hits. Mm-hmm. And if I am a, a customer, like this is a little bit overwhelming. It's the same thing like you said in the CRM space, in the MarTech space, and so on. Like... How do you get through this noise from a product perspective? I know sales guys and marketing people can say anything, but from a product perspective, again, like practically, how do I make it very clear that we are very different, that nobody does it the way we do it, or that we solve a solution that nobody solves without losing the risk of losing the customer attention because everybody else talks about something else? I think it comes down to really that value creation and delightfulness uh, during the usage of the product. Mm. The product has to speak for itself. You can have branding and messaging, but there's no better marketing than word of mouth. Um, And I think by creating an excellent experience, an excellent product, you stand out. And uh, how do you do that then? You, first of all... uh, create values that you want to follow. You set yourself a vision. You set yourself some goals. And you put a lot of effort into understanding how the personas that deal with the problems that you're trying to solve work today and try to understand the opportunities. Um, It all starts with doing really good discovery. and de-risking of of value creation, usability, and feasibility before you commit to any software engineering. Okay. I believe in in a, in checking, especially the the value creation, as early as possible, and do whatever you can to hack your way through building your product and deliver that value, no matter if you have a product or not. Uh, to these users and a perfect example uh, would be you know we've we've done this now so many times but as soon as we discovered that wait a second you can create self-executing contracts like you can put contracts on autopilot by integrating with multiple systems but wow okay so we have to build a, a workflow builder inside our application wait no we don't have to we can use if this and that platforms like Zapier. Hmm. So we quickly put up together a, 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 um, a version of our own Zapier application. We've connected to triggers and actions available uh, in the 
applications delivered by other people. And we quickly figured out, okay, so I can send 500 contracts in a matter of three minutes and they're all going to be personalized and they're all going to be different. I mean, th this would take somebody a month. Yeah. And then the, you basically go to the customers that need to. And this was the moment where GDPR was hitting and we had to send all those DPAs. We basically went to, to people and said, listen, so you have to send all those DPAs. Let us execute that for you. We just need the information of your clients in an Excel sheet. I'm just going to do it for you. And we manually sat there, checked the Excel sheets, connected that uh, entire workflow into, into Zapier, and we've done it. And then we, the clients were like, wow, this would take me a month. And you just done it in a day? Right. And as soon as you have that validation, you can start building a product behind it. Because then you, okay, you can't throw humans at it uh, because that's just not scalable. Fundraising can be exhausting. With Float, funding for SaaS businesses has never been easier. All digital funding platform apply in just a few clicks. 100% customizable growth loans to fit your needs. No dilution, no personal or equity guarantees. Fuel your growth by accessing a credit line of up to 70% of your ARR within days. And the best of all, you get a fixed interest rate from Float. Visit gofloat.io and get funded. In my mind, at least, and uh, like when you're in a crowded space, a, a lot of those, you know, if it's your space or if it's Martech space, I can take, you know, mine and Tama's situation here, for example. We have, no names mentioned, an email distribution platform that doesn't necessarily do what we needed to do right now. We've outgrown it a little bit. And we can move to any other email distribution platform. Like it's rather easy to throw out and get in. However, they have this, I don't know if it's like <laughs> uh, on purpose or they have this hook on you. Like if you switch email distribution platform, you risk that your emails, once you start you sending from that other platform, <laughs> that they will end up in spam or they will be blacklisted and so on. So they block you somehow like this. And I don't know if it's by design or that's just, you know, how internet works, I suppose. But I wanted to ask you, when you're in a crowded space and when there are many alternatives, do you actively think a little bit extra on like, how do I lock the customers in here? I know there's like technically a bunch of other platforms out there. Switching costs, like you said, might not necessarily be that big, but how do I lock them in? How do I make it difficult for them to leave me? I think it's evil to think about ways to uh, <laughs> make it difficult to leave. Uh, some spaces basically have it built in. Mm. Automation, if you want to move automations to a different system, it's just going to be very painful. You have to probably start from scratch. Yeah. If you're not using Sapir, then it's pretty, pretty easy, right? Is it? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, maybe not. I think you do want your customers to stick, but you don't want to create evil features that will block and make it difficult to, to very difficult to leave. Um, I, you want to constantly create the value that they are expecting from the platform and that's how you keep them. Yeah. However, of course, I mean, there are some mechanisms that should be put in place to make people think twice before they do something. Mm. Uh, because, you know, maybe sometimes people don't realize the value that they can get 
from the platform that they're using. Right. And therefore, you need to remind them at the at the moment of uh, them wanting to quit. And we, I think, we can all relate to that moment of uh, of canceling something and and feeling like, are you sure you want to leave? <laughs> you you're gonna lose this and this and this access and and maybe you just wanna pause it or maybe just here is two two months for free. Yeah. Um, but if you don't deliver value in the end, uh, I think it's 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 going to happen no matter. It's also the power of habit, right? So if you have fallen in love with with a product and you feel that it makes you efficient, you you don't really need to think about how it works. It just works. So even if you see another offer, it might be cheaper. It might be something else. I mean, if you have to change how you work on a daily basis, if you have to shift and have to learn another system that, that that can be quite big hurdle even if you don't need to redo the integrations or something i i fully agree i think people don't want to do the manual things no they don't as soon as they they are faced with okay think about uh i've recently uh, had this uh moving from dropbox or moving from dropbox to some other to google drive yeah like it's supposed to be copy paste right but it never is yeah <laughs> no it's not so a question, when, when you started looking into this space with contract management and so on, I mean, there are different plays that you can do. You can go for the broader suite. And uh, I mean, in, in, in my world here, that is where you have gone. But uh, you could also choose to be a more best of breed player, more an ecosystem play around this. So did you think about this? And why did you choose to go for, for the broader suite? We've chosen to go for that broad platform thinking because of the problem we had and because of the vision of creating one place for all your contracts. We've taken upon ourselves the, the tough journey if, uh, and, and said that we're going to do the whole thing, the whole flow, the, the whole contract lifecycle management. Um, and I think this was very challenging, but it also shows now uh, how valuable this is and i guess also targeting smes you mentioned uh, 10 to 500 employees they are pretty well suited for a sort of broader platform suite solution right while the big enterprises might want more you know uh, more narrow solution that they can that's true work into there that's yeah. true um however we see more and more tools consolidation Right and right and uh, people don't want to pay and manage and and not to mention data privacy and and uh, managing the different risks. Uh, I think we're we're seeing a lot of companies growing to uh, to to being platforms where you can do more and more with your marketing, sales, uh, contracts, invoices. You're bringing up a, an interesting point because when you have a pain that is big enough for you to employ one product to solve it, you focus only on that one pain. Right. But it has to be big enough for you to feel like, okay, we just need this special tool or this special task because it's painful and it's repeatable almost every day. Yeah. And we have hundreds of people dealing with it every day. And I think this is the opportunity for you to go in and expand. But especially if you start talking to procurement or operations um i think you start seeing that um they want to consolidate 
all the tools. They don't want another project, project management tool. They, um, they're pointing out to you that what, what's wrong with this tool? We are using already that. Why can't we use this in also other departments? Which creates this really interesting dynamic because what we hear is product-led growth and go after that one single pain and, and solve it for that user and then you will expand inside the organization. Just do one thing well and, and then it's going to expand. But I think that's true and we've seen the revolution and I think Slack especially has been uh, one of those companies that really had a little edge in the door that expanded into being a full uh, communication platform for uh, many um, big companies. But I think there is there's something about offering your services and thinking about the full spectrum before you even enter the company yeah. and knowing the potential uh, up front because you know where you can expand it and you just need to have an edge to solve that one particular uh, problem for that uh, person um, and then grow from there. Yeah. So, so maybe to create some tension between me and Daniel here, um, how do you handle on the product side when you see that the sales department want to sell your contract management platform to a company that wants to use it for other purposes as well because you theoretically can? So, yeah, we had this with file storage actually at some point. Yeah, okay. Where where people wanted to not only have contracts on the platform, but have Excel files and uh, images and use it for KYC and store um, uh, store passports. Uh, like, yes, so so the, 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 there was that. And we had salespeople wanting to also sell that because they saw the opportunity of just closing their quota, right? Yeah. But um, the way we've handled it was simply by trying to understand how this fits into the vision, trying to understand if this really does fit and, and saying, okay, if somebody really wants to store Excel files, we're going to allow it. But I think you have to be very upfront that we are not an Excel sheet and you will not be able to open it and edit it inside contract book. Hmm. And Yes, you can attach it because it's very important for a particular contract that you have. Yeah. But that's going to be just as proof of, of the contract existing and having that file on storage. Okay. Yeah. I have another question for you, uh, Ayarek. And this comes a little bit from own experience. So Thomas and I have also worked in a somewhat crowded space. And there we saw that some of the analyst firms like Gartner, Forrester, IDCs and so on they were a big impact on product. Sometimes we could feel like they decided that this is the next cool thing and whether they decided themselves or based on a bunch of interviews with prospective customers. But do you have to adhere to the trends and the visions that these big guys are saying when you're in a crowded space more than if you're not? How, how important is that to score well on, in these charts and graphs and so on? I think it depends on who you sell to. Yeah. If you sell to people that buy by looking at those reports, then you have to. Yeah. If you, if you, if you sell to organizations with people that look at Gartner reports, I think you need to. And I would call this basically just closing the gaps. Yeah. Then it, it really is 
is a matter of the size of the organization you have and what you are capable of doing um, because you still have to choose your priorities. All right. And there is so there is always more work that you could do than you can do. And it's all about the creating the balance of meeting the customers where they are and what their needs are and, and how you're going to solve the pains that they have, even though it doesn't fit into your vision and still pursuing your vision. So what would be your top three tips for a CPO that are finding uh, themselves in a crowded space when it comes to building the product? Revisit your vision on ongoing basis, on quarterly basis. Okay. And just keep it in check. Not change it, <laughs> but keep it in check. Don't don't let it slide somewhere and, and go tunnel vision into something that you think right now is the most important thing for this segment of customers. Build a team that is able to help you as well in that. Uh, recently, we've gone through that exercise of revisiting the, the product vision and and I've realized how much easier and better it becomes when you actually involve multiple stakeholders in the process of, of revisiting it and how much buy-in it creates afterwards. Because suddenly people have a really good understanding of where we are going and why we're doing the things that we're doing. And they can basically keep the entire organization in check because they will just say, okay, but wait a second, this doesn't fit. We, we, we agreed that we are to be the single source of truth for all contracts and we want to um, turn contracts into data. But you know, doing this, that, that doesn't bring us there. Hmm. Yeah. So listen and co-create and do it together. Uh, I think there is misconception among leadership that when somebody is responsible and accountable for vision or mission, they have to be the, the guiding star. They have to be the Steve Jobs that, you know, <laughs> uh, revolutionizes the entire industry. And it's, I have to be a maniac and stick to this. No, you don't have to. In fact, I think it's, it's stupid to do so. Yeah, great. I mean, we like that, and, and it, it rhymes rather well with what see, what we say. You know, listen and co-create. Our entire business is built built on that. This was this was very interesting and very insightful. And I'm sure people can chase you down on LinkedIn if they want to discuss further, like how you stand out in a crowded space. That also brings us a little bit to the final part of the episode here. We'd like to know a little bit what's ahead for you and contract books in a sentence or two, like. What should we expect from you guys coming up here? Expect us to be a market leader. Right. We will, we, will, we will go there. We will be respectful, but expect a tough fight. I like that. We're not backing down. And if there's anything that I can tell you I can do is get hit and keep going. <laughs> and I've proven that to myself. Yeah, we heard. And what are you looking for right now? Besides some more funky fish tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're looking for customers, obviously. Yeah. So if you're interested in, uh, in hearing more about how you can put contract, contracts on autopilot, uh, reach out. And we are looking also for more people to talk to during our process of product management. So we're looking for people in operations and legal especially. All right. Um, in, in forward-thinking individuals that understand that legal operations is the future 
and contracts should be the source of truth for companies. So if you're in, if you're interested in that, then 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 connect with me and and I'll be happy to have an interview. I promise I will not sell because I'm interested <laughs> in how you work uh, more than uh, at this point than than selling. All right. So uh, lastly, is there anyone that you think we should bring on the show here? The first person that popped to my head was Elon Musk because of his recent. Uh, craziness that he's doing. I, I think he's turning uh, Twitter upside down, and and I'm really watching what uh, what he's doing. And it goes against a lot of things that I believe in. But on one on one side, I understand what he's trying to do, but I think he's also being a douchebag along the way. And I would love to hear it from the horse's mouth on how he sees himself and how he sleeps at night, knowing that he is really changing people's lives in that. Uh, Uh, that way. All right, we'll give him a call. Please do. But Jarek, it was a pleasure having you here. Thank you for being with us at the podcast. Thank you for being with us at the latest Tesis Digital. And uh, see you around. Thank you very much. Take care, Jarek. So, Daniel, what's your takeaway from the episode today? I mean, it was interesting to listen to Jarek from a product perspective and. I think I understood him saying that, you know, to stand out in in a crowded space category, it's really an exercise of two elements. It's one, you have to put the customer at the center. So you have to build something that caters to their needs, that solves their, you know, whatever that big problem is that is worth a lot of money for them. But it's also linking that to a greater and grander vision of where the future is going. So it's like almost you have to educate your customers about, you know, we're solving this, but this is where you need to go in the future. So I thought it was an interesting perspective to hear him talk about that. Like when they build the product, they look at the customer problems here right now. Okay, enough said, because otherwise you may steal my thunder. (laughs) Uh, Was this what you had in mind? Well, I was a little bit, you know, worried there for a bit because you you started saying how you stand out in a crowded space and uh, well what i thought of here is that you you need to have your product to speak for itself so it's not about what the sales guys are telling or presenting it's not what you put in your marketing that will distinguish yourself from the competition. If you have a product that is really delightful, that um, you want to use, that you tell others about, then you can sort of get through the noise. So the word of mouth. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's an interesting topic and like one we'd like to debate. And actually, <laughs> related to this, I know a, a lot of you guys listening to the event, you know, you have fierce competition and, you know, I'm the one that would say, you know, fierce competition makes you better. If you can't beat your competition, then there's no space for you. But uh, positioning and that messaging aspect becomes so much more important when you are in a space where there's a bunch of people. And I think that probably also brings me to one of the things I want to announce here. So you may or may not have heard of April Dunford. Long story short on her, and, and April, if you're listening to this, you know, excuse me if I'm not introducing you the right way, but I think April is... A goddess. Goddess, yes. The, the best positioning expert in the world right now when it comes to B2B SaaS companies. She will actually be at Sassiest in Malmö. And she will be there to run a couple of sessions about some of these topics. You know, how you position yourself so you actually do stand out 
from your peers in the space, from, from your competition in the space, and how you actually make sure that your salespeople can carry that story as well. Not so it's like, you know, they sound like all your other competitors if you remove the logo from, from their deck. So if, if you're into this, make sure to tune into her session on April 18th in Malmö. Do so. Well, Daniel, let's get out of here and continue working. And uh, thank you for listening and see you soon again. Take care. Thank you.